Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over And welcome to episode 347 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very, very well. We saw each other a few weeks ago at MCM, so uh, all fully recovered from that now, finally. That's um, good. But uh, what have you been up to the last few weeks? My list is sort of like, fairly quiet because too much of it matches yours. Of course. But something that did get released on Friday was First Kill on Netflix, and it tells the story of a vampire hunter and a vampire, both teenagers, falling in love. And the sort of fallout from that. It's based on a short story by V.E. Schwab, who's a pretty famous writer of fantasy, young adult stuff. It dropped on the 10th, and so I watched the whole season. I saw that come up. I haven't got around to watching it yet. It's an interesting one. It kind of looked like it was probably aimed at the sort of Vampire Diaries audience. Would that be the group it's pitched at from what I read? I mean, to be fair, the Vampire Diaries things are probably too old for this now. Vampire Diaries has been around for a lot longer than you think. Well, yes, that is true. Back. But it, it is, obviously, it is aimed at teenagers and young adults. It has a very different feel to the Vampire Diaries, I think, mostly because that had a lot more lore, has a lot more books right. to like base things on and make it its own way. So you can think of this as a lot more like a modern vampire tale. I think it spends a lot more time sort of in the growing pains and the relationships of teenagers and as it does in the show itself it sort of like has a lot of allusions to Romeo and Juliet the sort of like destructive power of love yeah that's interesting just looking at the background of it it's an interesting one that's actually got the author is the person that's the showrunner of it as well V. Schwab is actually the person that created the TV series and wrote it that's interesting he's showrunner as well on it which I mean it's worked out well for them in the past because they did that for Heartstopper That had the same sort of thing where the original author was heavily involved in the show. I don't know many of the cast. I see Elizabeth Mitchell is in there from uh, Yeah, probably the probably the easiest to recognise would be Elizabeth Mitchell. That's a big star power. The only other person I recognise is the person who plays the vampire's sister, and that's Grace Zieni. She is from Zoo and a few other things as well. Yes, that was a wonderfully silly show. Yes, (laughs) I like Zoo a lot. Yeah, so yeah. But other than that, pretty much a fairly lesser known cast it's one of those things that you watch it and you just sort of switch between oh this is quite interesting oh god why did they do that oh this is quite interesting oh no <laughs> no don't do that so it sort of it blends this young adult supernatural story but then it can get really soapy and right. it's sort of, and it hypes up drama past normal 
levels. I don't know if it's because it's from a short story, but you know, like if you watch something like Vampire Diaries or The Magicians or something, they spend some time sort of like explaining the rules. Yes. Hopefully in a way that isn't just, let's just explain the rules will be very boring. Fresco doesn't do that. Obviously, you know they're vampires, as that's pretty much in the tagline, but you don't know sort of like what their powers are. Learn like a big thing only into the second episode about vampires. And it just sort of goes from there. It's like you keep learning things that absolutely the latest second that would have been really helpful for you to know three episodes ago. Right. That then makes things easy to understand some of the characters' motivations and things like that. Yeah. So there is that sort of problem. There are some like wonky acting bits. <laughs> that <just laughs> be, whoa, that's a bit strange. But yeah, it's a mix of good and bad, but it is engaging. So I guess that's what you sort of look for. Would you, what do you enjoy watching it? And I have to say, yes, but there's definitely room for improvement. Yes. Interestingly, I know the directors more on this as well that I do the cast. Oh yeah, I know most of the directors, probably all of them, because it includes Amanda Tapping, it also includes um, the director who did a lot of the episodes and part creator for Black Lightning. Yes. Another director that I did recognise. Eric LaSalle is in there. Yeah, um, Eric LaSalle from ER is also one of the directors. Played Dr. Peter Benson in ER yeah. for many, many years and he's now behind the camera as the director, so yeah. Jet Wilkinson is the other one. She's a sort of well-established jobbing director, has done things like How to Get Away with Murder, she didn't episode of Daredevil and Punisher and Warrior Nun and The Shy, a whole bunch of things. Got some decent directors behind it. I think, strange for Netflix, this did like a lot better marketing job on itself just through social media than most of their stuff. Because most of their stuff you go into almost completely blind. But I was thinking about the hype of First Girl for at least a couple of months. Yes, it is one that hit my radar, which doesn't always happen with Netflix shows, particularly this sort of stuff. They tend to sort of scatterfire a whole bunch of them and surprisingly given how ridiculously busy this month is for tv this actually kind of floated up to the top so that's good i think it's quite lucky well not lucky because they knew to do it but this is probably the best weekend to sort of drop it yeah because you only have to deal with like miss marvel everyone's already watched that literally at midnight on (laughs) wednesday yes and people catch up with the boys quite easily so this they pretty much had an open field tv wise i think it was a good bit of marketing i think it was well deployed just watching it it just leaves so many questions right we'll see whether it makes I'm it past one season I'm, yeah I'm thinking that there's probably a better than not chance of it getting renewed yeah and given how crazy it went I'm interested to see what they're going to do next season if they do yeah well we'll see whether it comes back it's always a bit of a danger with a Netflix show you never know but we'll yeah, see very true the other thing I've been thinking is I've been catching up with the boys yes so I'm four episodes in yes I don't know I don't about the season yeah interesting I've been watching as well we kind have avoided explaining in detail anything about that opening episode. But oh yeah, well yeah, <laughs> because, yeah, I saw the opening episode before. oh my goodness, that's quite something to explain away. Yes, because we're a family show, so you can't really talk about actually happened in that episode, but uh, yes, the, uh, I don't know, I've been enjoying it so far, but it has taken a different turn maybe to some of the previous seasons. I think now they're all back together, which inevitably I think was going to happen at some point. I think it's starting to work again. I have to say for me at least I don't think it quite works it's very different from the comics and yes. I think within the comics they very much centre Huey it's helpful because Huey just reminds us all this stuff that's messed up and this is a crazy world that people have to live in but I think more in this show I think they're trying to make too much of a point with Homelander yeah. and feels like they're doing that and letting Butcher just be quiet and he's just as horrendous and there mm. isn't anyone really pointing towards that because it feels like if you sort of 
of like criticize Budget, it's because he's being a dick. Yeah. If you criticize Homeland, it's because he's a homicidal maniac. Yeah. But they're not that different. Yes. Is that Butcher is much more manipulative of people, whereas Homeland just uses fear. Yeah. I get what you're saying with that. And you're right. I've read the entire run of The Boys, and it is vastly different to the comic books. They keep Huey very much as sort of your entry point into a lot of the books. You know, it's much more Huey-centered, and he's much more the outsider there, whereas this is far more focused on mm-hmm. um, Butcher and... I think, to be fair, in the show, Frenchie's closer to the comic Huey. Yes, that is true, actually. As someone who is constantly aware of the violence around him and questioning constantly about what the mission does to them. Yes. That's why I feel like it's just not moving much for me. And the only other thing I would say is that I know that there aren't that many episodes of The Boys per mm-hmm. season, so I feel like it's just sort of moving slowly somewhere that's not really going to resolve much. Yeah, I mean, those first three episodes really needed to drop together, which I'm glad they did because there was a sort of arc over those first three. And I mean, personally, I am enjoying it, but it was a little bit slower getting to that point. And you're very much right, I think, about they've set Butcher and Homelander up as being sort of two sides of the same coin to a certain extent. But, you know, I sort of like the fact that they are going in a different direction to the comic books because you don't know exactly what's coming. Yeah, but I feel like it almost like a very different from the previous season yeah is a bit jarring as soon as you finish the first season you see how different it is from the comics yeah and I don't mind that the comics are very different also very different era yeah that is true the time it's set in has changed quite a lot I mean the, the, one of the key differences being that the boys all take V in the comic books whereas yeah. that's actually been made more of a thing in the TV show with the sort mm-hmm. of temporary V whereas in the comic books they're actually given V because they're going up against soups and it does doesn't give them superpowers it's basically a v that just makes them all much harder to kill it explains that i think for v to make you crazy powerful it has to be done when you're a baby mm-hmm. and taking it as an adult just makes you a little bit more resilient to damage a little stronger yeah the differences i think are interesting and i am still enjoying it as a show overall the hero gasm episode apparently is coming up at some point this season so that will be an interesting one given what happened in the comic books in that so we'll see but yeah they can't get away with anything that i those pages. I wouldn't have thought so, no, but I mean, you never know, given what they did in the first episode, so we'll see. So the other thing I watched was Shanghai Fortress, which is a Chinese sci-fi from 2019. Uh It was on Netflix, and it also featured someone who I guess the older folk might remember, Shu Qi, who sort of like standout Western role was in The Transporter. Ah, right, yes. But obviously she was huge in China long before that. Yes. So she in this and it's basically it follows this young man who signs up to be a soldier to follow his crush right you're sitting like 2035 aliens wiped out mega cities around the world to get their hands on a new source of energy which is called Ten. basically the only sort of mega city left is Shanghai and the cities are sort of protected by these energy domes which was powered by that new element right. and you get the story at the beginning where China sends out this um, space mission they come back with it that's sort of where it starts from okay. it's all set right in the middle of things they sort of talk about the other mega cities like the western ones have all been destroyed they're pretty much the last one standing and it sort of this follows that war effort he's sort of like a pilot it opens with him training for this mission which obviously will be going more important later we just follow him so I haven't seen much Chinese sci-fi which is why I thought I'd have a go and see what it's like mm-hmm. it's very interesting I think the most interesting without giving anything away is that you get the ending and then you get like 50 minutes 
of what would normally be the beginning. So I'd know guests like in your Top Guns or whatever, you see them just at the beginning going for basic training. They show things like that at the end, right after the main battle and stuff. Oh, exactly. Interesting. Like, oh, it does make sense in sort of watching it because you sort of like know, for instance, he has a crush, but it sort of explains their first meeting and all that afterwards. Right. It's an interesting one. Was that dubbed or was that subtitled? Subtitled. Okay. I think you have a choice of both. Actually, no, I don't think you do have dubbed. I'd have to check to be sure. Okay, cool. That's on Netflix as well, if you were in that Shanghai yeah. Fortress, if you want to go check that out. Of course, for me, the big thing that launched this week was Miss Marvel. Yeah, of course. Which I thought was absolutely phenomenal. Brilliant. Iman Vellani is perfectly cast in that. Yep. I mean, she's what, 19 years old now, but I mean, at 15 years old, she cosplayed to a thing at school as Miss Marvel. She said in an interview, kept on getting mistaken as the Flash, and she was like, went over the road to buy a comic book so she could carry the comic book around because people didn't know who Miss Marvel was. Clearly had been a huge fan of it in the same way that Tom Holland was a huge Spider-Man fan when he started that. So knew the comic books inside out and amazingly good in this role you can tell she knows it it's a wonderful depiction of this sort of pakistani american family as well it wraps it into the story in a really nice way it's just a wonderful concept as well the idea of this sort of 16 year old fangirl of captain marvel suddenly gets superpowers i think it's shot beautifully it's funny it's fun the cast are really good i didn't realize that the best friend, Bruno, is one of the Lins kids from Walking Dead. Yes, indeed. It's Matt, the middle Lins kid, I think. Yeah, he's the one who came to London a while ago yes, with, with his sister. Three, with the sister and the little brother. You can go find that interview up on our YouTube page, and it is absolutely hilarious with the older two trying to stop the younger one saying things that will get him in trouble. If you're not aware, the three Lins kids were all in the Walking Dead, with two of them playing the same character. Matt played uh, Henry and his little brother played the younger version of Henry. He was really good in it. Alana is amazing in it. The rest of the cast, it's just so well put together. Really well directed. You can tell that it's made with an awful lot of love about people who are fans of the source material. Mm -hmm. I like the way that they've shot it and the things like they've taken elements of the comic book and turned them into graffiti and had that moving as they were moving through it. I thought it was really interesting and Mm -hmm. the way the text messages come up as sort of things within the frame of sort of signs and stuff. I just think it's really interesting, different, well put together, solid throughout. I've seen nothing but positive reviews of mm. it as well, which is great. I do like text messaging that doesn't go on a tiny screen that yes. I can't read in time. So that obviously gives an automated ten for you. But seriously, excellent, blew me away. I was really, really, really excited for this. About of the slate, which included Moon Eye and the rest, I knew I was going to enjoy this one the most, mm-hmm. and that was confirmed. So that's great. My man is amazing. I very much like the sort of like family stuff and I'm very much looking forward to seeing more of that one thing I'd also say is this is actually written for TV which I would argue at least half the Marvel miniseries aren't yes it works as an episode and there's a beginning and there's an end there's a middle and it's great as opposed to just being one long movie yeah the friendship there I think is just really great it feels like genuine I like to venture con I want to go yeah yes. tickets. yeah 
definitely. Um, so overall, yeah, I just can't just really hyped to watch episode two. Absolutely. And uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful addition to the whole MCU universe. And it's going to be in the Marvel's movie as well, which is great. I think it's one of those things. There's sort of a couple of different camps with the MCUs. There's the ones that are slightly in the more serious area when it comes to the films and the TV shows. And then there's the ones which are the more fun stuff, like some of the later Thor movies and mm-hmm. um, Ant-Man. And I think this falls very much in that sort of bracket. I really like those films. I think they're really fun and really interesting and really highly recommend this. I, I think it's just well written, well put together. So looking forward to watching the rest of it. It's uh, six episodes, I think, in total, isn't it? So um, Yeah, I believe so. It's going to be a really good introduction to this character by the looks of things. And then we'll see her in the Marvels when that comes out next year. That's the first thing. One of the other things that are very different, Tack, We Own This City, mm. which is the new David Simon drama. David Simon being one of the people behind The Wire. It's a six-episode series, very densely packed. It's about the Baltimore Police Department Gun Trace Task Force and the various corruption that surrounds it. There are sort of eight officers that are charged on various corruption charges between 2018 and 2019, based on a real story as well. So you've got John Berthnall, who's playing one of the sort of central characters in the people that are charged, but it then goes back in time and shows how they got to the point and where they got into the positions that they did. But there is a lot of jumping around in time, and it's one of those things you really got to concentrate on. Okay, well, this is in this time period, this is in that time period. I mean, it signals it fairly well, but there are a lot of names being thrown around. There's quite a big cast for it. It's very easy to get lost and kind of having mm. to go back a little bit it's not necessarily structured quite as well as something like the wire is but it's, it's interesting nonetheless and it's incredibly well actually john is superb in that main role you've got other people in there that are, are sort of the officers that are trying to dig into the corruption as well i've watched i think three episodes of it so far and we'll be watching the rest of it because it is very high quality decent hbo drama it's just there's a lot going on there it's not something you can kind of half watch it's something you really need to sit and focus on because there is quite a lot going on there it is all up on demand on now and sky if you want to go and check it out there they're also running it out on sky atlantic but you can just go and download the episodes as well but that's we own this city other things hack season two i've worked my way through that brilliant as the first season i would say this is the whole thing about it's a sort of aging las vegas comedian who gets stuck with a comedy writer who's basically been ostracized because she sent out an offensive tweet and is being cancelled essentially so the two of them end up getting pushed together in the first season and it becomes about the relationship between those and how they kind of need each other and trying to sort of regenerate the elder comedian's flagging career second season takes them on the road because the first season is about them sort of trying to find a new voice for the show and she's now taking that show on the road and trying to test it out it's really funny the sort of older comedian is played by Gene Smart who you'll know from various things such 
as Watchmen. She was in Fargo. She was in Legion. She was in as well Mayor of Easttown more recently. Hannah Einbender plays the comedy writer who I didn't really know before this, but this has certainly put her on the map. She is a stand-up herself. It's all on Prime Video. It's well, well worth going to watch if you've not called it. They're half an hour comedies. I think second season's 10 episodes, first season's 10 episodes. They're half hour each. So they're not hugely difficult to get through and they are very, very funny. I really would urge you to go and check that out. That's on Prime Video. Stranger Things season four, I finished part one of that. We talked a little bit about this last week. Have you been keeping up with this? Yeah, pretty much watched it Tuesday, I guess, after it came out. Right, yeah. I kind of figured where they were going without giving anything away there was one particular character that I kind of looked at in that and thought yeah well clearly (laughs) you know you kind of saw where that was probably going but still think it's really well structured and I'm looking forward to seeing where they finish this the next two episodes drop in July I think is it July 1st yeah Um, and the last episode is two and half hours I think something like that so uh, it's essentially it's a movie the last episode of this season and then we've got another full season to go before we uh, finish that for good yeah that's been great and one of the other things which I previewed this week which actually starts this week is the Lazarus Project the entire premise of it is there are certain people that have this genetic abnormality that allows them to experience when time around them has changed. And the lead character, who's called George, played by Paparesadu, has a Groundhog Day experience of reliving six months of his life. It happens a couple of times, and he's like, what is going on? He gets approached by somebody, a woman called Archie, who says, well, actually, you have this genetic abnormality, and it's us that are resetting the timeline. Basically, when there is a potentially world-ending event, like World War Three, they have the ability to, at a particular checkpoint, reset time, but they can only reset it back one year. So the checkpoint is the something or other of June. So time can get reset back to that point from the previous year. But once you go past that point, you can't reset it back again, if that makes sense. So you can only reset it a maximum of a year. So if you get to the 18th of June, you can set it back to 19th of June on the previous year. If you're on the 20th of June, you can only reset it back a day. So that's the sort of rule that they've set up to allow them to deal with it. It's a really interesting concept. It's brilliantly acted. Papa Residu is the lead role of it who plays George. Tom Burke plays one of the other characters who you'll know from things like Strike and he is sort of the villain. It's got randomly Carolyn Quentin in there who's playing a fairly serious role which Mm. is quite nice. She's sort of the lead of this thing which is the Lazarus Project. It's from Joe Barton who has worked on a number of different things. Gil Hajai was the big thing he's probably known for but he, he actually wrote on a number of episodes of Humans, the Channel 4 series and it very much has that 
kind of human's feel to it. It's that sort of our world, but not. It's that sort of slightly alt reality thing going on. So if you like things like humans, I think this is certainly that sort of sci-fi that I think you would probably like quite a lot. It's on Sky. They're dropping all episodes later this week. I've only seen the first three so far, but I really like where it's going. And it's a very, very interesting sci-fi. Well, well worth watching. It's called The Lazarus Project. It'll be on Sky this week. We'll give you the exact date at the end of the show. But solid cast, well written. They've not fallen into any of the plot holes that you get usually with this mm-hmm. sort of thing. They've set up the time loop stuff in an interesting way so it can cause issues without it just being able to, oh, well, you could just rewind the time and it'll all be fine, you know. And it delves more into the sort of human side of, well, what happens to these people when you rewrite time? So really well put together, really interesting. I have got an interview with Joe Barton going up on the website this week as well, so keep an eye out for that. That's The Lazarus Project. That's well worth checking out, and that's on Sky and Now TV later this week. That's all the stuff that we have been looking at this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. TV and film news, we have the renewals, cancellations and pickups. Couple of, well, one cancellation, one kind of not even getting out the starting blocks. Made for Love, which was a HBO Max series that's been cancelled after two seasons. I don't think that ever made it over here as far as I'm aware. And Demimond, which mm-hmm. was the J.J. Abraham sort of big sci-fi series, not moving forward at HBO over budget issues because apparently it was going to cost around the mid $200 million range and HBO were bulking a bit at the price, particularly with everything that's going on over at uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. Now they've got new bosses, they're making slashes all over the place. And they basically said, can you trim it a bit? And JJ went, nope. And they went, okay, we're not going to make it then. So (laughs) he has been shopping it around to some other places, apparently. But we'll see whether that pops up anywhere else. But that was the sci-fi series that has gone. In the renewals, quite a few this week, The Boys renewed for season four, which given the traction it's been getting online, regardless of, I know you've had mixed feelings on this season, but um, still going down pretty well. So I don't think that's a huge surprise that's coming. Oh yeah, definitely. Slightly more interesting one, American Rust has been saved by Freevee, the Amazon free streaming service that was IMDb TV. That was the Jeff Daniels, Moreau Tierney drama that ran on Showtime, I think, originally, and they cancelled it after one season. I don't think it got particularly great reviews either, but Freebie have decided that they want to save it. So uh, Freebie has stepped in to make a second season of that. So that will be coming back. That's American Rust. Schmigadoon, which is the Apple TV series that's been renewed for a second season. Uh, lots of things get his second seasons, actually. Inside Job, which was an animated series that's been picked up for a second season at Netflix. Squid Game, I think, unsurprisingly, has been renewed for a 
second season, didn't it? Well, somewhat surprisingly, because Korean TV doesn't do series. No, well, that is true, yes. But, I mean, it was such a huge hit. I'm not surprised that they've twisted their arm into coming back. Mm. I mean, I think that, yes, that is the surprising side of it, I guess. Tokyo Vice has been renewed for a second season. That's on HBO Max in the US. It's airing on Stars Play over here, but also will be coming to the BBC because the BBC picked up second run rights as well. Don't know when yet, but uh, that's Tokyo Vice. The Summer I Turn Pretty renewed for a second season by Amazon is that one you've come across yet? I'm thinking about whether or not it is actually come out yet. Oh yeah, June 17th. So it's another one of those cases where Prime Video have decided that they liked the first season, so they've renewed it for a second one without even putting it in front of an audience first. They did yeah, that with well, a few of them. And the fact that it comes from Jenny Han. Popular novel series as well, so you know. Yeah, after the runaway success of Tour of the Boys, this is another one of her stories. So yeah, I think they just decided it's probably going to work. Makes sense, I guess. And over on the BBC, they've renewed starstruck for a third season so that comedy from Rose Matafeo will be coming back as well it's also quite interesting just to note going back to the summer to pretty somehow they imagined that bit from Netflix because obviously Toward the Boys was a Netflix show yes it was yes. Or, a Netflix, or a Netflix film yeah. um, series of films wonder how they swiped that if they're getting paid per episode yes. as opposed to get paid per movie and arguably Amazon does have the larger bag of cash I imagine I mean not that Netflix is short of it really I mean I know they're losing a few subscribers but even so they're not in a bad place sticking with Prime Video actually they've announced a premiere date for Paper Girls which is a comic book adaptation which I've been very interested in I've actually read the first one of this do you know the comic for this I don't know the comic the comic is a Brian K. Vaughan comic basically the TV show is the same sort of premise as the comic in the early morning hours of Halloween in 1988 four Paper Girls Erin, Mac, Tiffany and CJ are out on their delivery route when they become caught in the crossfire between warring time travellers changing the course of their lives forever transported into the future these girls must figure out a way to get back home to the past, a journey that will bring them face-to-face with the grown-up versions of themselves while reconciling their futures are far different from what their 12-year-old selves imagined. They are being hunted by a militant faction of time travellers known as the Old Watch who have outlawed time travel so that they can stay in power. In order to survive, the girls need to overcome their differences and learn to trust each other and themselves. It kind of smells a bit like them trying to do some version of Stranger Things I have to say with this, because it's sort of four kids they're girls not boys they're four kids and it's 1988 so it's sort of got that historical kind of four kids go on an adventure thing going on together mm. but we'll, we'll see when it actually comes onto screen not necessarily that that's a bad thing of course I mean Stranger Things is brilliant so if it does end up being in that sort of area great but uh, that's called Paper Girls it's coming for season one on Friday the 29th of July on Prime Video so uh, that'll be one to watch out for I think definitely few other advanced air dates Breeders returns for its third season that's on Sky Comedy that's on the 13th of July that is landing New Amsterdam also back in July for its fourth season that's on Sky Witness and now 
FBI Season 4 and FBI Most Wanted Season 3 also dropping in July. Don't have exact dates for these at the moment. If you're worried about the fact that there's been no announcement for FBI International, don't panic. They haven't officially announced anything at Sky yet, but I would say don't panic. I expect that we may hear something about that relatively soon because there is a three-part crossover with the opening of that and they have all the other FBI's and it is, although it airs on CBS in the US, it is an NBC product and NBC is a sister company to Sky. So don't worry about it. I'm sure we will hear something fairly soon. But uh, FBI Season 4 and FBI Most Wanted, they have said, will turn up in July. And I would expect another announcement about that fairly soon. The Cuphead show they announced over on Netflix is returning on the 19th of August for its second season. So if you want that, it'll be there. And uh, The Handmaid's Tale, we don't have a UK date for that, but it's 14th of September on Hulu in the US for the new season. It's usually anywhere from a week to two months behind on Channel 4. Given that it's September, I would expect that we might get it October-ish possibly, but we'll have to wait and see. It will come back. I'm absolutely positive, but we don't have an exact date on Channel 4 yet because they don't really announce things until two weeks out. Returning in September, so keep an eye out in the autumn for that in the UK. A League of Their Own, not the comedy thing on Sky. This is the dramedy that's based off the movie A League of Their Own. That's a TV series coming to Prime Video and they've announced that's coming on the 10th of August. It's a reinterpretation of A League of Their Own. It said invokes the joyful spirit of Penny Marshall's beloved classic film whilst widening the lens to tell a story of an entire generation of women who dreamed of playing professional baseball. That's the setup for that. So if you liked the film, this might be one to go and look out for, but that's League of Their Own coming to Prime Video on the 10th of August. A little bit of background information about Stranger Things Season 5, because as I say, we've got two more episodes of Season 4 to go, but they have said on Season 5 it will have a time jump in it, basically because the kids are getting old. That's pretty much the main reason for it. Ross Duffer, who is one of the two Duffer brothers, said, ideally, we'd like to have shot seasons four and five back to back, but there was no feasible way of doing that at the time. So there's discussions going on with the writers when we start up the room. Believe it or not, we're still actually working on season four. We're trying to finish the final two episodes. They're so massive. So that's the reason for the break was the fact that they're actually even now still working on those last two episodes, but they will do a time jump because the kids are getting older, which makes perfect sense. Your thoughts on that coming to an end? I definitely thought season four was a step up from season three. Right. So I'm interested to see what they have to end everything, which is quite undertaking. And there's like obviously so much hype and expectation going to that. It made me nervous. Yes. It's one of those things that's going to take some skill to land in a satisfactory way, I think, after five seasons. And I don't blame them for ending it because, you know, it was really about the kids and they're all growing up so you do get to a sort of point where you start with young children as leads you kind of get to a point where you've got to end it I think but um, time jump makes perfect sense I think for that a couple of other little bits of things for the UK as well Halo the Paramount Plus series which will be dropping weekly on Paramount Plus from the 22nd of June when they launch over here however the first episode and only the first episode is also going out 
out on Channel 5 as a cross-promotion. So if you don't fancy buying Paramount Plus but do want to get a look at the first episode of Halo, it will be going out, I think, 9pm on the 22nd of June on Channel 5, basically as a promotion for, hey, look what we've got on Paramount Plus in the UK. Go and buy a Paramount Plus subscription. I mean, it makes sense. Paramount own the Channel 5 channels. They own, obviously, Paramount Plus. Whether they'll do that for any of the other shows, I don't know. This seems to be a one-off thing because it's been billed as Halo Episode 1 Paramount Plus Presents. So, yeah, as a cross-promotional thing, I think makes perfect sense. But don't expect the rest of the episodes to go to be on there. I think it's a way of trying to drag people across to have a Paramount Plus subscription. But uh, the first episode will be available to everybody that has a TV set, basically. And one other thing that dropped out today, E4 are going to get an extra little sister channel called E4 Extra, which is launching on the 29th of June. It's going to be replacing 4Music. So what they've done is they're saying it's a sort of rebrand of 4Music, but 4Music isn't going away. What they've essentially done is shuffled things. So 4Music is going to become E4 Extra and going to take over that EPG slot because it's next to the E4. EPG slot and then they're booting for music across to take over the is it the hits channel I think is the other thing that they run so that's being retired and for music will become that essentially the reason being for music actually hasn't just been running music for quite a while it's been running quite a lot of entertainment shows and they've kind of come to the point where they're going well this is silly because it just isn't a music channel anymore not that that's ever bothered MTV but you know uh, they're essentially what they're doing is they're saying okay this will be overspilled from E4 and then they're going to move for music back into being just a music channel and that's going to be taking over the hits channel so it's essentially it's going to be reruns of a lot of their imports they have got a couple of original things on there like it's going to be the place where they run out the rest of Batwoman Okay. for those of you that have been waiting patiently or impatiently for the last six months for Batwoman. What I am hoping is they're going to just start it at running the remaining episodes of season three and not going to start it from the beginning again because that would suck. But hopefully that will start from the remainder second half of the third season. So we'll get that. But they have mentioned specifically Batwoman will be running on there. They've also said things like reruns of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Big Bang Theory, In Between Us, Derry Girls, all that sort of stuff. The main channel is retaining the rights to things like Hollyoaks and Young Sheldon so they're staying on E4 but they're also going to be focusing on a lot of the unscripted stuff which has kind of crept onto the channel in the last 12 months so things like Married at First Sight Made in Chelsea Celebs Go Dating Team First Dates all that reality rubbish that they've been running that will stay on E4 and the import stuff reruns will move on to E4 Extra they did pick up something else as well a thing called Legendary which is a reality voguing competition apparently which ran on E4 for the first season but they've acquired the second season of that so that's going to be running on there as well and there are going to be some other unscripted stuff on there like Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares and Ninja Warrior Japan and Undercover Boss USA so it is essentially an extension of E4 but they're not specifically going to be buying Mm -hmm. more US acquisitions for it it's just going to be reruns mainly more than anything else so moving on from that it was of course Geeked Week over on Netflix which we kind of covered the first day of it on the show last week which 
had a lot of the major announcements, but they have been running it throughout the week. There was a big kind of animation day, so there was a lot of animation stuff. They also announced some games, interestingly, as well, over the rest of the week. They did a Stranger Things day as well, which was quite fun. Uh, there was a couple of little bits and pieces, but nothing major. You did get to see them play a D&D campaign, which was quite entertaining. That's all up on the Netflix um, YouTube page if you want to go check those bits out. But in terms of the announcements of new TV shows, Masters of the Universe Revolution, which is a follow on from the Kevin Smith um, Masters of the Universe Revelation. They're going to be basically heading back to Eternia and it's going to be a continuation of that, which was a sort of sequel to the original 80s animated series. They actually did a really interesting job with the first season of that. I really quite enjoyed it. Did you watch any of that? No, I didn't watch it. I remember the original kind of 80s cartoon, so I was sort of intrigued to see. Oh, I, I do as well. Kevin Smith is such a geek about this sort of stuff. And um, the voice cast was brilliant. It was Chris Woods voicing He-Man, uh, Prince Adam, who you'll know from Vampire Diaries and Supergirl. Mark Hamill did Skeletor. Sarah Michelle Gellar was playing Teela. Um, Lena Headley as Evelyn. Liam Cunningham as Man at Arms. There was a really solid voice cast for it. And I know it was a little bit controversial in, in places with what they did with some of the characters, but I, I really quite enjoyed it. I thought they did a wonderful, interesting job with that first season. So I'm kind of glad that they're bringing back. But yes, this is going to be Masters of the Universe Revolution. That's going to be called it. Basically going to pick off right where the previous season left off and going to be He-Man fighting against the nefarious Skeletor once again. Kong Skull Island is another animated series they announced, which follows a group of shipwrecked characters trying to escape the dangerous titular island home full of prehistoric monsters, including the king himself. It's from Powerhouse Animation, who did Castlevania and Blood of Zeus. They're producing the series and it will actually share continuity with Legendary's big screen Monsterverse projects as well. Are you a fan of the Monsterverse things? I don't think I've really seen many of um, them. I think I just saw Kong. That was the only one I actually watched. Is the Godzilla stuff part of that, I think? Yeah, I believe well, so, because there's two or three Godzilla films. I guess it became that one as well. I've never really kind of got into that whole thing, but there is now an animated series and it will be in continuity in canon with the big screen stuff. So, you know, there's that. That's an interesting one. Cyberpunk Edge Runners is a, another animated series which they had previously announced, but there is, I think, a little sort of teaser trailer thing went up for that. That, of course, is based on the video game Cyberpunk 2077 and takes place in Night City. Ten episode story follows a street kid trying to survive in a technology and body modification obsessed city of the future. Having everything to lose, he chooses to stay alive by becoming an edge runner a mercenary outlaw known as a cyberpunk i love the game i know it had a bunch of technical issues although i played through it perfectly fine I didn't, did you play cyberpunk no i'm not doing like first person games ah okay the story itself i know there were things cut out of it but overall i actually really enjoyed the game and i think it set up a nice world kind of being interested to see a bit more about this and and i think there is a lot of kind of stuff you can pull from out of night city it was an interesting environment to set up so uh, yeah that, that could be an interesting one for Castlevania fans they announced Castlevania Nocturne which is a follow up to the beloved Castlevania TV series new spin-off starring fan favourite Richter Belmont Richter is a descendant of the original shows Trevor Belmont and Sophia and he's the main character of Castlevania Symphony of the Night uh, no release date for that yet but that is 
coming up. And Dragon Age Absolution was a new animated series coming this December. So it's based in Bioware's Dragon Age series. It's a new animation set in Tavinta, which is the same location as the, well, most of the Dragon Age series and the next game. The trailer shows off a combination of anime-like animation and 3D environments, all with the magic and combat you'd expect from a Dragon Age TV show. New series was created in collaboration with Bioware and will feature a cast of new characters. So uh, that is coming December to Netflix. Dragon Age third person RPG. I think I actually bought the game whenever he got down to play it. Ah, it's a shame. They're brilliant, those games. I did see that little live action spin-off that starred Felicia Day. Yes, yes, you did a little live action thing. I remember that. I don't think I ever saw the live action thing, but I mean, it suits animation, I think, that world. And, you know, magic, dragons, monsters, all that sort of stuff. So that could be quite an interesting one. In addition to all the animated shows, they announced a bunch of game tie-ins, which I thought was kind of interesting. There's one based around Shadow and Bone called Shadow and Bone Destinies, which is a single-player narrative-led RPG set in the series Fantasy World. Player takes on the role of the show's characters as they journey across the land, making decisions that affect the course of the game. No release date for that one yet. Shadow and Bone was a good TV series. It'd be interesting to see what they can come up with in terms of an RPG around that, I guess. Mm. I think it works well because there's, obviously there's a lot of lore in there. Yeah. And uh, lots of different powers and things, so it should be quite interesting. Yeah, that should be quite good. Uh, Queen's Gambit has also got a game, which uh, I mean, it's a chess game. I mean, obviously, because <laughs> what else would it be? These are all coming to Netflix, by the way. They're going to be part of the Netflix app, interestingly. Take some lessons from Mr. Shibali. Play matches against Borgoff or compete against friends in this love letter to the show. But it, I mean, essentially, all in all, it is a chess game. That's essentially what it is. There is a Muddy Heights game coming as well, and that follows a spin-off story story from the show players follow along as an old friend of the professor cashes in a favor forcing the crew to rob a shady billionaire's casino in monaco it's an adventure game set around its own heist comes with a self-shaded art style apparently i never really got into the money heist franchise i don't know whether it's one you watched no i do have a friend who like raves about it though yes it is supposed to be very good i would advise you to go and check it out but i just haven't had the time so there is a money heist game coming and the last one is one based on the reality show Too Hot to Handle, apparently. That's arriving in 2023. Players can meet sexy singles vying for their affection in a game based on Netflix's drama-filled dating show. Well, yes. <laughs> so there's that as well. But that was the uh, the games coming up. It's interesting they're sort of adding games into Netflix. Well, that was a plan for quite some time, so it's quite good they're actually still doing it. Yes. So there's there's lots of stuff coming up. That's I mean, we don't know exactly exactly when all these are going to actually drop but uh, it's interesting they are working on games they're, they're going to be included in part of the Netflix app the other big thing that was announced this week was Ghostbusters Day they held that this week which had a number of sort of little bits and pieces that dropped out relating to the Ghostbusters franchise you a Ghostbusters fan? I am a Ghostbusters fan of the original cartoon or anything else the cartoons were good original films and yeah the original films big fan amazing soundtracks yeah absolutely so on the movie side, they've announced that they are making a sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, so, I, I mean, it, it went 
went down pretty well. That I thought they did a decent job. Same people behind it. It's uh, Jason Reitman and co-writer Gil Kennan. They're developing the sequel. Obviously, doesn't reveal a huge amount about it, other than the the code name for it is Firehouse, and it will inevitably be going back to the Firehouse, which didn't really feature in the first film because of the setup and storyline of that. But last time we saw Ecto One, it was kind of heading back that way. So uh, it's an interesting place to pick up. Out of the original Ghostbusters cast, they have said that Winston Zedmore and Zedmore Industries will feature fairly prominently. So Ernie Hudson is definitely coming back. We don't know about the other original Ghostbusters, but uh, Ernie Hudson will be back in as Winston. Did you like the movie? I, th- I thought they did a reasonable job of it. The newest movie? Yes, the newest movie. Not I haven't, no, we- haven't seen it. Oh, it's worth watching. I think does decent amount of nostalgia without trampling on anything. I didn't see the female remake. I know it got panned quite a lot, but this one I actually think respects the original franchise a lot and is a really interesting, quite sweet, well thought through follow on to the original films. So um, worth going to check that out if you've not watched Ghostbusters Afterlife. It is, a, it is a good film, and I'm glad they're making a sequel to it. On the animation side, there is uh, not only an animated feature coming to Netflix, but there is also a animated series as well. The animated feature, they have got some people involved already. Directors Jennifer Klushka, who worked on Hotel Transylvania, Transformania, and Chris Pironowski, who worked on Metalopolis, which I think was an adult swim series. And the writer of that is Brenda Hestu, who worked on things like How I Met Your Mother and Mr. Corman, which was the Apple series. So they've got some interesting people involved in that, but they're making an animated film. And there is also an animated series coming as well, which Reitman and Kinnan are exec producing. Don't know whether this will have any tie into the sort of very, very popular The Real Ghostbusters animated series which was around in the 80s and 90s that's run for 140 episodes that believe it or not the follow-up extreme ghostbusters run for 40 episodes but uh, no writer attached to that at the moment but they are involved with it so uh, and that's netflix and ghost corp inc that are doing that that would be good to see them back in animated form and you can do a lot more in the animated thing that you can from the uh, certainly from the films they're also coming back in comic book form which seems to imply that it's Reitman and Keenan that are actually writing it or at least very heavily overseeing the story. They've said we've got a unique story that we want to tell exclusively in the limited edition series. So it's going to be a limited edition run. It's coming to Dark Horse Comics in 2023. They've said it will be in canon as well. As to exactly what that is and where it picks up and whether it's telling some sort of missing bit of history between the Afterlife film and the other films, I don't know. But that could be quite interesting that they're going to do that in comic book form on Dark Horse Comics and that comes out next year. The other bit was on video games. There is a Ghostbusters VR game which had been previously announced. That was coming to the MetaQuest 2 but they've announced that they're also releasing that on the PlayStation VR 2 as well. Basically allows you to track, blast and trap ghosts whilst wielding the uh, proton packs. You can play in solo or co-op. That's essentially what that game is and VR 
is a great way to do that, I think. The other interesting one that they announced at the event, though, was that they're doing location-based VR experience, which allows you to go to Ghostbusters VR Academy. It's a fully immersive training simulator broken up into two distinct games. It's being run by Hollowgate, which actually I think they have three locations in the UK. There's one in Skegness, one in Woking, and one in Milton Keynes, although I think they are opening some other locations around the world as well. There's like 200 locations across the world. Two games that they're running. One is an arena game where academy members in training will strap on their proto-packs and work together as a team in a high-risk ghost encounter scenarios all under the safeguard of the academy grounds. And the other one is a blitz game where trainees have the opportunity to take the wheels of a prototype Ecto vehicle, a vehicle exclusively available for evaluation at the academy. I believe it's flying thing as well. So it's basically a flying Ecto-1. And uh, they will compete to see who's the fastest, most skillful driver at high-speed ghostly race, putting the prototype vehicle to the test, choosing if it's worth joining the ranks of future Ghostbusters equipment. So those are the two games that they're going to be running at the Hologate VR places. So these are basically big VR centers where they can track you around the rooms and stuff. I've never done that. I know Bex has done some of those, I think. I don't know whether you've ever had an opportunity to go to one of those. I have not, unfortunately. There are a few of them. I mean, Hologate are one of the bigger ones because they're worldwide, but there are some other ones kicking around in various different locations. But they're they're big VR centres. But uh, that could be worth checking out. I think they said that's landing next year. That's the Ghostbusters VR game that they're going to be running in those places. That's all the Ghostbusters stuff coming up. Lots of Ghostbusters things. It's nice to see the Ghostbusters franchise kind of reinvigorated, I think. It's something you want to see come back I think after the whole female Ghostbusters thing it just sort of soured me to the whole (laughs) franchise to be honest yeah I actually think that you should definitely go and watch Ghostbusters Afterlife and take that as being the starting point for where they're running with all the rest of this stuff because Jason obviously you know I mean Ivan Reitman was the person that was behind the original films Jason is his son Mm -hmm. and you know so there is that connection he is being very respectful of the original stuff so forget about the female led movie i know that had a lot of negative stuff going on about it go and watch ghostbusters afterlife it is a really good and really respectful film to the original franchise you will enjoy it i think it is worth going to uh, check out and all this stuff is sort of stuff that's dripped out from the success of that film so if the female led movie soured you to it it's a good place to jump back in that film perhaps perhaps i would highly recommend that it's it's worth going to see so that's all the news we've got for this week. Just some time for some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week. We have a new series coming to Netflix called God's Favourite Idiot. It is a comedy created by Ben Falcone, along with his wife, Melissa McCarthy, who are two of the loveliest people you could ever meet. It's about a man who is told he is God's messenger and must prevent the apocalypse. Ben Falcone plays the lead character. Melissa is in it as well. It's got music from our friend Phil Eisler as well, who works quite a lot on Melissa McCarthy's stuff. It's one that is definitely going to be worth watching i think uh, ben and melissa are hilarious with the stuff that they write it's usually very fun very silly comedy but that's coming god's favorite idiot it's coming to netflix on the 15th of june so check that out love victory is back for its third and final season that's also on the 15th of june but that's over on disney plus so you can go and catch that the lazarus project as i mentioned earlier it is a uh, propulsive action thriller about a man played by 
Papa Esadu, who joins an organization that can turn back time in order to save the planet from catastrophic events. It's coming to Sky Max. All episodes will be dropping on demand at the same time. It's on the 16th of June. It'll be on Sky and it'll be on Now TV. So that's the Lazarus Project. It's well worth going to check that out. Bump season two of that Australian comedy drama that is coming on the 17th of June. That's at 10.40 on BBC One. Suspect season one comes on the 19th of June. That is a new Channel 4 drama. It's a psychological crime thriller with a huge all-star cast from the people that did Professor T, the ITV series. And in actual fact, the star of Professor T, Ben Miller, is one of the many, many casts that are in this series. Uh, James Nesbitt is the lead. It's got Jolie Richardson. It's got Richard E. Grant in it. It's got uh, Sasha Duan in there. It's got Antonia Thomas in there. It's got Sam Hewen from Out in there it's got Imogen King in there as well so there is a huge huge cast for that of very high profile names it's about a detective who uh, turns up at a hospital and mortuary to do a routine ID check and discovers that the corpse is his estranged daughter and he then goes on a sort of mission to try and piece together the last parts of her life it sounds really really interesting it's called Suspect and that's coming to Channel 4 on the 19th of June if you like those sort of psychological thrillers worth checking that one out McDonald and Dodds is back for a third season that's on ITV that's on the 19th of June at 8pm and Blue Bloods is back finally for its 12th season on Sky Witness that's on the 20th of June at 9pm with the world's greatest acting moustache that happens to be attached to the face of Tom Selleck you can go and check that out on the 20th of June at 9pm on Sky Witness that's all the stuff coming up next week on TV. If people want to find more of you, where can they find you, Daryl? So they can find me on my website, hollywoodnorthnews.net. They can also find me on my Twitter, which you can get to from there, or my personal Twitter, which is Amasikinis, which is A-L-M-A-S-Y-K-I-N-N-E-A-S. And uh, you can talk about First Kill. Yes, so go and hit Daryl up on either of those and talk a bit about First Kill with him. For other people involved in the show, Bex, you can of course find over at twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites, who is streaming various evenings and daily and uh, at weekends and stuff. Uh, she was building a rat castle out of cardboard for reasons I won't go into. I'm not sure whether she's finished that now, but uh, yes, that is one of the things she's been doing recently, as well as things like Tomb Raider and retro gaming and all that sort of stuff. So go and check Bets out on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. That's uh, B Y T E S for Bites. And Matt, you can go and find over on Entertainment Talk for lots and lots more podcasts over there and all his stuff for us you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast.geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye 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 When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.